This is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgetting all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes his righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He had not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passeth over it, and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness in children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and those that remember his commandments to do them, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, his angel, that he shall in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of the word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion. Bless this Lord, O my soul. Now, the Pledge of Allegiance, the American Indians has got their own Pledge of Allegiance. 8,000 Indians served in World War One, and 25,000 served in World War Two. 41,000 in Vietnam, and 24,000 in Operation Desert Storm. And uh, I got ahead of myself. August 14, 1982, the Navajo serviceman who relayed messages that could not be deciphered by the Japanese during World War II were honored by President Ronald Reagan to declare it today National Navajo Coat Talkers Day. That was 1982. But the, first, the Pledge of Allegiance was first presented in 1993 during the opening address of the National Congress of American Indian Tribal States and Relations Panel in Nevada. So here's how their Pledge of Allegiance goes. I pledge allegiance to my tribe, to the democratic principles of the Republic, and to the individual freedoms borrowed from the Iroquois and Choctaw Confederacies. As incorporated in the United States Constitution, so that my forefathers shall not have died in vain. Also, I even got an Indian quote. It says, Oh, great spirit, help me never judge another until I walk two weeks in his moccasins. Praise the Lord. If the ushers would go ahead and take up the offering, let's give unto the Lord as He has prospered us. It's been good doctrine, our great doctrines of the Bible, and um, this is a a subject that I've been personally involved in uh, a few times, and I've always been hesitant. I've talked about it a few times in church, but I've been hesitant to say a lot.
I remember one time that I, uh, soon after I had an encounter uh, with an angelic presence, I made a statement from church been a lot of years ago. And I had this young man who was still wet behind the ears uh, come to me and tell me, he said, well, he said, anytime I've ever heard of anybody having an uh, encounter with an angel, he said, it's always changed them. And I looked at him, I said, did you know me before? Well, no. And I said, I, you know, there's a few times as a pastor when he comes up dealing with kids that you still need to give them the back of your hand. <clears throat> in, a, in a different method, you know, not, not literally the back of your hand, just spiritually the back of your hand. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so you know, I, I told him, and, and I've just been hesitant because so many, so many people, have they fail to understand the amount of scripture that there is in the Bible concerning angels, and that has been like like so many other good things, like the gifts of the spirit. Uh, and the gifts of the spirit, the latter rain, we've talked about this before, messed this up to where a lot of good men that could have been used in the gifts of the spirit. Would they, they, they stayed away from it because they were frightened because the latter rain movement back in the 30s, 40s, and so forth, uh, they, they, they took it and bent it all out. And the only reason they would even come to church was to hear a word from God, not the preaching of the word, but a word that may not have necessarily even agreed with the Scripture. It was all spiritual. So what happened is that they just threw out the baby with the bathwater. And it's the same thing with angels because angelology... Uh, many of you have seen that. There's been books written about angels, and, and a lot of them didn't see any angels, and they didn't deal with it. But what's happened is that there has been encounters that, that has been a blessing to churches, been a blessing to men, women alike, that they are afraid to even mention that simply because... Uh, there has been it's been perverted it's been it's been messed with and and uh, it has been abused and it's been all this has happened so again we throw out the baby with the bathwater so I'm going to talk this morning teach this morning on what we're going to call divine surveillance and if you would turn with me to Ezekiel the 10th chapter verses 1 through 12 Ezekiel the 10th chapter verses 1 through 12 and again, I was uh, kind of debating on even getting into this particular doctrine. And uh, Brother Bobby read a scripture that had angels in it. Then they sang a song with angels in it. And I thought, well, I think maybe I better do what I'm supposed to do here. Ezekiel 10, 1 through 12. Then I looked and beheld in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubims, there appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone, and as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. And he spake unto the man clothed with linen, and said, Go in between the wheels, even under the cherub, and fill thine hand with coals of fire from between the cherubims, and scatter them over the city. And he went in my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the cherubim's wings was heard even to the outer court as to the voice of the Almighty God when he speaketh. And it came to pass that when he had commanded the man clothed with linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels, from between the cherubims, and he went in and stood beside the wheels. And one cherub stretched forth his hand from between the cherubims into the fire and, was, and 
that was between the cherubims and took thereof and put it into the hands of him that was clothed with linen who took it and went out. And there appeared into the cherubims the form of a man's hand under their wings. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims was wheel by uh, one wheel by one cherub and another wheel by another cherub. And the appearance of the wheels was as the color of the burl stone. And as for his appearance, they four had one likeness as if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. And they went, they went upon their four sides and they turned not as they went, but to the place where the head, the head looked, they looked it and they turned not as they went. And their whole body and their backs and their hands and their wings and the wheels were full of eyes about, round about, even the wheels that they, they four had. Now Hebrews 1 verse 14 are not they all ministering spirits sent forth to minister unto them, for them, excuse me, for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? Let's look at that one again. As Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? For them, not to them, but for them. Now, again, we go back to the subject of angels and how they are interesting and everybody uh, like would like to have an encounter until they have an encounter. And then a lot of times, what a lot of people don't realize that when you encounter angels, you can encounter all angels, not just good angels. And we're going to come to, again to this doctrine. But you can, uh, you can encounter, if you encounter the, the good ones, you can encounter the bad ones. And, and, you know, there again, there's a lot of times that we encounter angels that we don't realize that we've even encountered them. There's times that even as the song was said that there's angels that can pass about us. There's angels at any given time in the midst of a church service. When we're worshiping God in the right manner, when we're worshiping God uh, the way that we should worship God, when our heart is completely fixed on Him, I can guarantee you that there are angels that are compassing about each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. They stand around. That's one reason I've always liked the men to stand around the church uh, a lot of times. And we don't do that as much as we used to uh, on a Sunday night. Because it's just symbolism of what's really going on in the unseen world. Because there are angels that can pass about all of us. And when we're in a congregation, when we're sitting in these pews, when we're worshiping God, we have a myriad of angels that are surrounding us at any given time. Keep that always in mind and allow that to soak into your spirit because when you begin to know it and you begin to realize it and you begin to to allow it just to be a part of you that's when God can open your eyes even though it may be just for a few seconds of time to see what's really going on around you now uh, sometimes uh, we overlook the scripture and the study of angels in the Bible and they play a significant role in God's overall plan for redeeming lost humanity. And they appear at key junctures. Uh, you'll see them in, in, in biblical stories. Angels serve as God's agents, agents by delivering His messages, carrying out divine errands. They are an important part of God's created order. Angels are not divine in the sense that Jesus, God, is divine. And they're not that, but they have the ability to move through that area between heaven 
and earth. Now, whatever you want to say, if you want to believe that heaven is 10,899,000,000,000 miles up above, you can believe that, but the angels can come back and forth between it. Uh, if you believe like I am, you look up, and then one day God is going to pull back the curtain that we see in the sky, and there heaven's going to be. They still are able to come back and forth between that area. If you read about Jacob, Jacob, when he was having his vision, his vision was he saw angels ascending the ladder into heaven and descending. In other words, they were here first. They were ascending because they were ministering for the heirs of salvation. So they're able to do this. They carry out God's assignments. In, in First Chronicles 21.16, that should come up behind me here. <laughs> David lifted up his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. Now I want you to notice something before we lose this. I want you to see something here. There's, there's a secret in the, that Scripture. I'm going to ask you if you can tell me what that secret is in the Scripture. Notice, read it again. David lifted up his eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out. Now, keep in mind, uh, David had just numbered the people. He wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, God gave him three choices. One of them was to fall in the hands of God. is what he chose. Uh, there he would fall in the hands of the enemy, or there could be a plague. So he chose to fall into the hands of God, and this is what happened. There was a, a lot of Israelites who was killed as a result, a result of it. But how is it that David and the elders of Israel were able, were able to see that particular angel? Can anyone answer that question? They were what? Lifted up their eyes, but what else? Anybody? What else? They had to lift up their eyes, but what else? You want to learn a little bit about angels. This is the key right here. It's, it's so simple. It's right before you, but it, it, we missed that. Then that was good. That was a good what you said. You had to lift up your eyes. Go ahead. Cold sackcloth. They close the sackcloth. That is a, uh, that is a symbolic of a mourning. Uh, I've got sackcloth here. We haven't put it out for a while. We need to have some prayer meetings getting some sackcloth back out again. That's when you begin to repent. You put things aside. You, 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 you know, you're completely giving yourself over to God. It's a sense of mourning. So that is, that is the key. God, I put myself in your hands. And you notice that David, if you read the story in Chronicles, you'll see that David chose that. He chose to place Israel in the hands of God, not in the hands of his enemy, not in the plague, but in the hands of God. And God, you do what's right. And there's the key right there, God, you do what's right. You want, you want to see some of these things happen in your life, that's the key right there. So, so you see that uh, these, creatures have a, uh, these creatures have on occasion been intentionally, and we're going to see another scripture in Colossians 2.18. This is another reason why that a lot of people don't see angels. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. You are not to worship angels. You do not dispatch angels are you hearing me you do not say angel go do this or angel go do that only God can do that now I will say this before I go much further I've told this story before a lot of new people here that haven't heard it uh, at one time I, I had a uh, and I know this for a fact and there again whether you believe me or not doesn't matter that's the reason you'll always be sitting on a pew never having any encounter with God because you don't believe anything okay now I had a, an occasion when I know there was a man who was a high priest in a uh, demonic uh, cult that was in, 
and Spencer, he had done some astral projection, actually projected himself into my bedroom. I seen him walk in. I was in a state of, uh, it was a vision, I would say. I was in a state between sleep and wake, and I seen him walk in. He had a hand in his hand. He had a blue, fiery-looking ball. He released that thing at me. And I, I remember calling on the name of Jesus, and, of course, it didn't amount to anything. And the thing is that God spoke to me right afterwards, and he told me that he allowed me to see him, but he didn't know that I'd seen him. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. It wouldn't have made any difference how much I cried out to God for deliverance from that situation. I could have even played the blood. That was not a demonic presence. You're not getting me here, but that was not a demonic presence. That was a human spirit. A lot of times when you you deal with something, and it can be your own human spirit, you constantly are dealing with something over and over and over again. You get mad at God because because you, you lose your joy because God is not answering your prayer, but it's because you're not praying the right kind of prayer. You're not aware of what's going on in your life. You blame the devil for something the devil is not doing. And the devil has you on that one because as long as you can blame him, nothing's going to happen in your case because you're dealing with a human spirit. Okay, I'm, you're not getting me, but I'll, I'll get you there if I have to come down and walk on the pews. Now, when you are dealing with a human spirit, whether it's astral projection, whatever it may be, again, I've dealt with this, I know this firsthand, God will not do anything. He will not, he will not, you can plead the blood, it will not happen. But if you ask God, if you ask God to send an angel to take care of that human spirit, that angel can take care of that human spirit and will take care of that human spirit. You get it? Well, that's where, this, that's where discerning of spirits comes. That's where the gifts of the spirit begin to operate because there's only three spirits you have to deal with. Now, within the category of demonic spirits, you can have a spirit of lust. You can have all this, I'm saying. But regardless, you've still, still got that one spirit that takes care of all this. You deal with human spirits. You deal with divine spirits, God, the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and deal with the, uh, human spirits and, and demonic spirits. So it's three of them. Three of them you deal with. In discerning of spirits, you have to discern what you're dealing with. And in the time that we're living in right now, there is more. It, it's, it's more open. You know, it used to be when I first got in church. Uh, you know, you had the bat masking. All that was a big deal. Now everything's out in the open. You know, all their nasty things that they say in their lyrics, they say right out in the open. So you don't have to worry about bat masking anymore. It's all right there. It's all in your rap music, all this. You know, they come right out and they say what they want to say. Uh, so it's no bat masking. And it's the same with, with today. You, people, when, when, when demonic spirits, when you had to deal with demonism, witchcraft, and so forth back a few years ago, it was all underground, but now it's open. And so you're not, you're, you, you're not aware. You keep looking for something under a rock when it's right in front of you. And so as a result of it, by being out in the open, it's more prevalent. You just don't see it as much. Let me give you a case in point. Let me give you a case in point. Some of you watch television. You remember when years ago when you used to watch Howdy Doody? You know, and now what do they do? They blow people up, they cut people's heads off, they cut their hearts out, and you just sat there. The first time you saw that, you thought that was terrible, didn't you? After you watched a few of them, it's okay now, isn't it? It's not, but but you get you can get used to anything. 
You can get used to anything. That's what, that's what conviction is all about. I read something. I'm sorry, I may, I may be. I'll get back to my line of thought here in a minute. I read something. I got in the Forward magazine here just recently. I thought it was good. It reminded me of something that ju- just happened uh, to me. Down alongside my driveway, we got all kinds of, of, of honeysuckle vines. Anybody familiar with honeysuckle? Okay. Honeysuckle, just sweet as it can be. Blooms for about, what, a month, maybe something like that. Sweet, smells great. But if you let it continue, it'll break down your trees. It'll grow. It, it, it gets to the point. I didn't realize how bad it was until I got down there. It's been a couple of weeks, or about four weeks ago. I got down and started cutting vines. And then I got to looking up in the trees and saw where all that thing had intertwined. and You couldn't even see it. But when it, you cut the vine, when you caught, cut the source, then it began, all those leaves started to dry up. And you saw how bad it was. I had trees that were bent down that I didn't realize that were bent down. This man who wrote this article, he was in uh, landscaping. He was a pastor in Texas. And he was in landscaping, and they got uh, Wasseria. Some of you have heard of Wasseria. Uh, they, they have it, and it says it blooms a beautiful lavender bloom for about two weeks. And he said, there's people who want him to plant that stuff. And he said, it's okay as long as you trim it back just a little bit, keep trimming it back. But if you let it go, then it takes over. And, and what I'm saying all that to say this is that we can get used to anything. Sometimes that's the way sin is. Sin is something that it may bloom and you may feel good for a week or two. But before long, the power of sin begins to break you down because it continues to grow. You might trim it up now and then, but eventually you get tired of trimming it up. And it will break you down completely. That's what's happened. That is exactly what has happened with, with what I'm telling you about when it comes to witchcraft, demonology, and so forth. We have, we have allowed this stuff to just be open out there. Oh, it's, it's no big deal. You know, it, it's, some of it's a little bit pretty even. You know, it blooms a little bit. It's all innocent. You know, I'll probably use that same, uh, that same example when it comes to my Halloween, annual Halloween bash. Okay. I'll probably use that because we just we need to understand that you don't trim this up. This thing is out there and you can become used to it, but it will kill you. It will break you down. And if you allow this to continue to operate in your life and you continue to, to embrace it to some degree, just tolerating it, you have to look at it for what it is and you have to fight it accordingly. And one of the greatest battles that we fight, we come in here, now listen to me, we come in here and we fight, we do spiritual warfare. We get down these altars and we pray and we do spiritual warfare. We bind devils and we bind all this. But the one thing we don't fight is our own human nature. We do not deal with our human attitudes and nature and spirit. You see, you can do anything if you get you under. Devils are not hard to deal with. You can, you can use the name of Jesus by faith. You can apply the blood of Jesus Christ to any of them, and they've got to flee. But a human spirit doesn't. So we, we use what God has given us. I don't dispatch angels, but God does. Remember, when I... Uh, the first time I encountered angels, it was, it, some of you remember, some of you are pretty young, haven't been pastoring very long, and Kenneth Reeves came to preach here. And uh, he's dead now, but a big part of his ministry was the ministry of angels. And, uh, and he would tell you that. And it was shortly thereafter, I remember he prayed for him and he told me, he said, God's going to let you encounter angels, and that, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, but that was, 
That was his ministry. Uh, it's not necessarily something that I do, do all the time. It's only about three different times that's ever happened to me, but it was in times of great need that this did happen. But I remember him telling, telling a story. He said when the, the charismatic church, and this was at first uh, kind of, you know, he went through the latter rain. He saw that, that the charismatic church, per se, again, that's kind of a broad term. I realize that. But he said was coming in where people, you know, they just came to church and they waited for uh, tongues and interpretation or prophets. And they had no preaching. They had none of this. He said this was just starting to take place. And he said <coughs> he said that he, he fought this and he fought this and he's finding it in prayer. And he said that that a spirit came to him in prayer. He said, I was praying. And he said, this thing came to me. He said, I was binding this. And he said, a spirit came to me. And he said, got in front of me. He said, and held up a Bible. And he said, you make the word of God too hard to understand. He said, you, and it was a, it was a demonic spirit, but he said it came out of that particular church. And he said, you make this so hard to understand. He said, you put it completely out of the reach of everybody around you. And he said, it, it, at first it, went in, it was an enticement. He said, you know, maybe I need to lighten up and let up just a little bit. But he said, immediately the Spirit of God came to me and he told me, he said, he, he showed me what I was dealing with. He said, it did not look like a devil. But he said, when that happened, then he said, then he said, he said I just used that, the, word of, the Word of God against it. You know, and, and he, said, he said, when I began to quote Scripture to it, he said, it quickly disappeared. And he said, but this thing kept coming to me, he said, and plaguing me, and plaguing me, and plaguing me. And he said, I, I would plead the blood. He said, I would, I would uh, use the name of Jesus, but he said, it kept going. And he said, he went on what he called prayer walks. And he said, as he'd walk and he would pray. And he said that, that during these times, he said, this thing was, this, he said, it was on my back. He said, it was there all the time. And he said, I finally said, how I prayed, he said, I told God. He said, God, would you get this monkey? And he said it this way. He said, would you get this monkey off my back? And he said, immediately, he said, I felt the presence of angels. He said, I was doing it wrong all the time. He said, I felt the presence of angels. And he said, that thing was gone. He said, because it was a human spirit that I was dealing with. Listen to me. It is a proven fact. Eastern religions have power. The proven fact, not all of it's demonic. It comes from human spirits. God is not going to bless that. But a human spirit can be refined to such a point that they can have things occur that you and I cannot understand. Human spirits are not... I've seen people who had great charisma, great ability. They could come up and preach the Word of God and they were just as, as backslid as they could possibly be. But yet... They can move crowds. It's not always demonic. Sometimes it's refined human spirits. The scripture portray angels as intelligent, moral agents. They have the ability to reason. You know, as demonstrated by the angels urging Lot to make haste to escape with his family from the impending judgment of Sodom in Genesis 19. The wisdom of angels is legendary. And I'm not going to bother getting you scriptures, but there's some scriptures that you need to uh, probably look, look at, if you would, in 2 Samuel 14, 17, and 20. The angels that visited Abraham and Lot were moral agents, commissioned by God to inspect and evaluate the spiritual condition of the wicked cities of the plain. Now, these invisible 
immortal, otherworldly creatures have the unique ability to move back and forth through that zone that I spoke of earlier between heaven and earth. And you can see that in Isaiah 6 and 2 and Ezekiel 1, 5 and 11 and so forth. Uh, They can act and appear as mortals then just as quickly and mysteriously vanish from sight. They can speak in human languages, yet they apparently converse with one another in their own tongues. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. What did he say? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. So they have the ability to speak a different language, if you would. Could it be that some of the languages that are spoken when people receive the Holy Ghost is the tongue of angels? When I had first was installed as pastor here, it wasn't, I don't know, probably, it was within a year or two, that I was going through a really hard time, old sanctuary, uh, really a difficult time. And I came in one night, turned every light off except this light on the Bible stand. And I got on my my face on the this off the Bible stand right on the platform and begin to pray and pray and pray. And I said, God, show me what I need to do. Show me how I need to, to deal with this situation. I'll never forget because, you know, I told some of you, some of you know this story. When we first received the Holy Ghost, my son was about three or four years old. Uh, the night that I received the Holy Ghost, uh, we went to bed that evening. My son got out of bed my wife happened to just wake up. God must have woken her up. She went into the kitchen, no lights on. And there my son was sitting in the middle of the table, in on the table, and looking out the window. And he said, he said, Mom, he said, a wolf just left the house. Well, that night while I was I was I was praying, that spirit, same spirit, came to me. It was in a vision. As I was praying, I went into a vision, and that thing began to come. I could see myself laying on the, on the platform, and I could see this thing crouching behind me, crouched down, ready to spring, ready to jump on me. And the first inclination was, this, this was as real as I'm looking at you right now. My first inclination was fear, but I, I quickly said, God, this is, you know, I'm praying for you to help me, to show me what to do here. And I'm seeing this. And it disappeared. And then the next time the thing came into my vision, its whole head came and it came closer and closer and closer until it filled my vision. And, and I was at, I knew I was battling something here. I, I realized this. And then just as quickly, I went back into another vision. This was all, I don't know what the time frame was, but it was just one right after the other. And just as quickly, I saw myself in another vision and two beings stood on either side of me, dressed in Roman armor with swords drawn. They stood there. And I watched them, and I knew, you know, I knew they were angels and dressed like, again, I would determine what, what, what I've seen as, as Roman armor. And they stood over me, never looking at me, never looking up, but constantly looking to the side. And then God let me know, just through that vision, that no matter what the enemy would throw at me that I always had these guardians no matter what that they were there one third of the angels of heaven fell 
when Lucifer fell. The Bible says in Revelations that he took, he was a great red dragon, and he took his tail and he gathered one-third. And he took them down. That means there are two-thirds left. That means there are two angels for every one devil. The Bible says, and more in one place, and I've had this reconfirmed to me more than once, that there are two angels, again, for every person, that we have guardian angels, too, that they're around us. They're always there. We just don't see them. But how many of you have felt their presence? You have felt their presence. You knew that they were there. They were right there with you. And if you've not felt their presence, it's because you're not sensitive to what's going on around you. You need to, you need to sensitize yourself. Let, get more of the world out of your life and more of God in your life, and you'll be more sensitive to it. And in this case, I had this now another time. Another time. Now, this was the, uh, the situation that I was praying about within a week or two of this came to head. It was taken care of, and we went on. We had revival, and that's exactly the way it happened. Exactly the way it happened. We had good revival. And uh, the next time, I've thought back on this many times looking at both situations. But I went home one evening and I was standing out on the porch. I was praying out, out front. And I was standing overlooking, just overlooking the road. We live on a hill and I was overlooking the road. And out of the corner of my eye, it was a pillar of light. If I was looking, it would have been about this tall. It just stood beside me and I could see it in the corner of my eye. It was brilliant. It was radiating. It was just radiating. And I thought for a minute I was losing my mind, <laughs> you know, but it was there. And, and uh, I turned, and just for a little while, just for just a split second, I could fully view it, and then it was gone. And I went in, and my wife was in bed, and I, I didn't want to say, I, I, had a, I just had God to just, I guess, gave me a feeling that she knew what was going on. So I just walked into the bedroom, and I said, did anything strange happen today? That's how I said it. And she looked at me and she said, oh, you've seen it too, didn't you? And she described exactly the same thing that I'd seen. She's seen the same thing. Now, in this case, I look at both of them. One time the church was in need. I hadn't been pastoring very long. It was like God was confirming everything was right with my ministry. The second time when that angel appeared, God was letting me know that my wife and I were one. They were seeing the same thing. The ministry not only applied to me, didn't just apply to me, but it applied to her as well. And that was, that was why. Now, I can't tell you that every time I can stop. I remember my wife sitting on the front pew. Brother Cisco was preaching, and I watched her. was sitting up here, and she went into a, she went into a, uh, a vision. I could see it. She, her eyes were wide open. She never blinked. And she was looking. And she told me later, she told both of us later, she said, while he was preaching up here, she said it looked like a whirlwind began to go like this right beside of him, and then all of a sudden there was two of him. And if you remember, if you, if you look back, Rhoda, when Peter came to the door, all the people in the church said, well, that, that's, just, that's not Peter, that's Peter's angel. The P, we have an angel that looks just like us. So she saw the appearance of that angel. I've had two different times I've two different people say the same thing about me that they saw two of me I had three ladies one time said they went by the church and they said they looked and they saw me standing here but she said I must have been 30 foot tall at the church and that wasn't me that was the angel 
So it lets you know that they are here. We have, we have, we have allowed ourselves, I think, within the last few years to not be as sensitive to these things as we should be. We, uh, and you know, the key is what I said earlier, it's sackcloth. It's not just prayer meetings. It's deep prayer meetings. It's getting ourselves down with sackcloth and repenting and, and saying, God, I want to I, I know what I can do, how I can be effective, how I can get me under control so that I can be... It's not a matter of desiring to see angels. It's a matter of getting yourself in control to where your eyes are open to the spiritual world that is already there. It's already there. It's not a matter of an angel just appearing to you. It's just a matter of your eyes just seeing something that's been there all along. So that's that's the key, and 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 it's you know they are they are intelligent moral angels and, and agents, and they are they are and I, I made a statement they are not embodied per se. Is that an angel doesn't have a body, but they can be and take on the form of a human being, and you see that with Abraham. I see it also in second. In fact, Second uh, Peter two eleven. I think you have that one, don't you, sis? Second Peter two eleven. Yes, you do. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might. Bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Now I want you to look at this for a minute. There's something here that that, that will pull at you. This, these are uh, angels are so are so. Uh, let me use the right term. I don't want to say militant, but militant is a good way. They they are so under authority is the best way of putting it that they will not even bring a railing accusation. Now. Case in point, look at the uh, book of Jude. Michael battled Lucifer over the body of Moses. And he said he did not bring a railing accusation against Lucifer. Lucifer at one time was the equivalent of Michael and Gabriel in heaven. They were archangels. And even though Lucifer had fallen, he still recognized his position. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, why are you saying that, Brother Robertson? I'm saying is, look at this as he leaves us up here. Railing accusations against anybody in authority will get you in a lot of trouble. Even if that person is not doing right. Do you understand that? I'm not telling you you have to follow that person, but making accusations and railing against somebody. If the angels will not do that against Satan then we have no right to do it against anyone. They are not embodied, but they can take on a, a body. Um, angels are not visible in as much as they don't have that body. So, you know, they uh, are under normal circumstances, but they can take on, and we've seen that several different scriptures that we've seen it. We've seen uh, in Judges 1 or 13 and 6, we see the radiant body, the one that I saw had a radiant body. And Daniel 10, 5 and 6 says this, Matthew 28, 2 and 4, and Acts 10, 30. At other times, an angel's presence uh, was not even noticed in Numbers 22 and 21. So they're just... They didn't even notice him. It was a, it was a donkey in that scripture that noticed the angel. Okay, now what does that tell us? Balaam was going to do what Balaam was going to do. His human spirit was involved. He had a he had a mission. And for anybody to say that a donkey is dumb, you know they're not really. I know how the scripture portrays them, and we're not going to say it the way the scripture says it because it's not a good term. Okay. But they mean dumb in as much as that they are not able to speak, not that they're stupid. Okay. 
A donkey is not stupid at all. But yet that donkey is just a donkey. He's just simple. He's not looking for anything outside of what's there. That lets you tell you something. What, what does the Bible tell us about how a Christian should, be, uh, should act and how he should be? We should be as a little child. A little child just believes that it's there. You say that that's the way it's going to be with a child and that's the way it's going to be. If the angel of the Lord encamped about them that fear him, then we need to fear him. And that means we can probably see them if we just take it at face value. So they are, they are not visible in as much as that they don't have a body, but they can, they can uh, be visualized. And we see that in Genesis 19 and 1, Genesis 32 and 24 and so forth. Angels do not marry. Anybody want to tell me why angels do not marry? Spiritual beings, aren't they? Is there male angels and female angels? Okay. Now how about when you have people say, well, I've seen this angel that looked just like a woman. Don't believe it? How about you? Do you believe that? That's I agree with that. I think you can see them. Go ahead. They have to be female. All right. See, this is the first time you've ever been wrong. <laughs> Go ahead, you have any more? Yeah, they would appear. That's just it. In themselves, they don't have a body. They are spirit beings. But they can appear as. Now, I have a hard time with a male angel with long blonde hair. I'm sorry. But that, isn't that just me? Because, you know, they're neither male nor female. Nor cross-gendered or anything else. <laughs> You know, I, I just have a hard time with that. And, you know, I, I, this is how God would allow them to appear to you in a way that I think that you would understand. Now, I don't know. You've heard all kinds. There's all kinds of things that have been said through this angelology business, you know, little tiny angels that rest on your shoulder, all this stuff. That's not really biblical. I've never seen that in the Scripture. But I have seen them in warfare. Gabriel was a messenger. Michael was a warrior angel. Now, whether they cross in as much as Gabriel can, can fight to be a warfare angel or whether, you know, vice versa, I don't know. I just know that they were archangels. Lucifer, and of course we know that Lucifer fell. And when Lucifer fell, he took the third with him. We already mentioned that. Uh, but Lucifer, his pride lifted him up. Now, I want to bring this. This is a, a point that you have to understand, that when Lucifer fell, he fell out of his pride. He was a, the, the term Lucifer means light bearer. The term Satan means adversary. He was a light bearer. And if you go to Ezekiel 28 chapter, you will see that he was covered with every precious stone. What he wasn't, he bore the light of God. He wasn't light within himself. Understand what I'm saying? He reflected God's light. If you reflect, and that's how we are, we should reflect God's light. The problem with men, especially men of God, ministers, when they begin to think that the, all, the, all the good that is happening in their ministry is because of them, then they're beginning to think that if they are the light, and they're not reflecting the light. And this is why people go bad. 
This is why people let up in areas of the Scripture of holiness that we should never let up in because all of a sudden, you know, they are so caught up. And God knows, everybody knows how much I feel about revival, but never to the extent of not having a real church. You know, I believe that it may not be as quick as what some of them will have, but I believe you can bring people in and you can get them grounded and they can serve God and make it to heaven. It's a lot more work than just saying it's okay for anything to go on. But listen, what, what, it's, this is about God. This is about His people. This is about His book. This is about His Word. This is not about what I want. It's not about having revival so everybody can look at me and say, Hey, look what Roberts is doing. Then am I the light? Whenever you begin to let up in any area of the Scripture then you begin to think that you're the light and he's not. And that is the very thing that caused Lucifer to fall. He was a reflection. And that's what he should have stayed. Always. Angels, again, they were tested. Some fell. But some passed the test. And now evidently occupy a state of holiness and immortal glory. And apparently the vast majority of the angels remain committed to serving God. And these are the wonderful, holy, and immortal creatures that we frequently meet in the pages of Scripture. They are on our side and they seek our best welfare. They are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us. Always know that. That they are there to minister for you. They are there for you. <clears throat> they are constantly worshiping God constantly um, and, and in fact let, let, let's, let's back up just a minute uh, the Bible speaks that the heavenly Jerusalem is populated by an innumerable company of angels and according to Revelations 5, 11 and 12 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels gather around the throne worshiping the Lamb and in his comments on this passage in the NIV, uh, Craig Keener, it's called the Application Commentary on Revelation, notes that 10,000, this is interesting, I just learned this, the 10,000, 10,000 is the largest number in the Greek language. There's no larger number than that. Always thought, well, why didn't it just say billions of angels? But in the Greek, that's the largest number that there is. So when he said 10,000 times 10,000, what they were saying was innumerable. Isn't that You couldn't count them. So we have plenty of help. Plenty of help. The angels are always in the throne room. And they directly and regularly encounter the immediate presence of God. And something humans in their present state cannot do physically. Uh, some Someday... Someday we will. I guess if there was anything that I could say that you uh, you really covet, and that is the fact that angels are always in the presence of God. I know one day that I'll be in the presence of God, and it'll have to be in a new body because we couldn't handle the presence of God with what we have right now. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we're going to have a new body. And we'll be able to be in His presence. So you can, so you can in a way, <coughs> covet uh, what, what He is. And in fact, there is uh, the cherubims in Ezekiel 10, 1 through 20, said, Rest not night and day, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Uh, and as they gather around about the throne, they proclaim with a loud voice, Worthy is a Lamb which is slain to receive power, riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. So... 
you know, they are there. And in fact, a place I, I said that wrong, it was uh, Revelations 4 and 8 and not, not Ezekiel. But there is a creature. They're called the living creature, Ezekiel 1, 5 through 22. And it says, they never cease the four beasts, it says, of Revelation, which are like, likely angelic, are, are likely angelic throne attendants, which Ezekiel described as living creatures or cherubims. Said they were full of eyes, and you know they said this called them living creatures. But it said night and day, these living creatures did nothing more, 24 hours if we can use the term 24 hours all the time, night and day, they did nothing but say holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. If that doesn't tell you how much God wants praise, then nothing will. And that had to be thrown attendance, that had to be uh, uh, angels, if you please, that were created simply to be there to say holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. All the time. So, so why is it then that we have such a hard time of coming to church three times a week and lifting up the name of Jesus the way that we should when the Bible tells us that He has got an angels created specifically just to worship Him? The only thing that I believe in my heart, and I, I, I can't find it in the Scripture, but I believe in my heart that the angels cannot do, and that's because Lucifer fell, is they cannot create music. The tabrets fell with Lucifer. They were built into him, if you read it. In Ezekiel 28, he fell with the tabrets. He fell with, he fell. That is why he attacks musicians so hard. Because they are able to do something that he used to do and can no longer do. So jealousy enters into it. Why is it that musicians get jealous of one another? He fell with the ability to worship in that manner. And that is why he attacks the way he does. When we come into this church, why is, you know, if, if you'll ever notice in a church service, if everybody go to the prayer room, they could come in the way they, they should come in. They would be worshiping as they walk through the doors. They don't. It usually takes music to get everybody fired up. It shouldn't be that way, but there is still something special that we alone can give to God. And you know, the Bible says that the only thing he inhabits is the praises of his people. So he inhabits those praises, and we, and we begin to take music. Music inspires us. You know, it was, it was Elisha said, bring me a, a musician before he could prophesy. That is why that you'll get the best preaching when you have a, a good worship service and good music in a church. Don't ever, don't, 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 none of you, all you musicians, you know, don't, don't ever take lightly what God has given you. It is a wonderful gift. You know, you can do something I cannot do, and you can do something that not the angels can't do. Of course, you know, the angels can't tell you a whole lot about salvation either, so a preacher is still pretty good on that. But if you've got a preacher who can do both, wow, I mean, that's, that would be great. You don't know how many times, and I know I, I probably be the stupidest person to face the earth, but I wish I could sit down and do what you do, Brother Manley. I wish I could sit down and play. I told my wife, I hear something really nice. I said, if I could do that, that's all I would do. I would just come in and play. Just play. You know, because it, it soothes the savage beast. You know, it is a wonderful gift to be able to do something like that. And something, again, that only, only, only we can do for God. 
Now, I'm going to go back, and I mentioned this before. The term demons and devils are different. Demons are simply departed spirits. It comes from the, the Greek word demoniae. Devils are fallen angels. Now, whether they are the same or not, personally, Robertson 3 and 4, and I'm telling you, I don't believe they are. I do not. I believe there was a race of people here. I believe they were here, and because Satan was already in the garden when Adam was created. Now, whether or what they look like, I don't know. You've got people who believe they all look like dinosaurs. I don't know. Maybe they did. Who say a dinosaur is ugly? I mean, we're made in the image of God, but they didn't say they were made in the image of God. We don't know anything about them. It's just something different. And I, I believe anyway they did something so bad that God cast them out and they're departed spirits. You see the uh, demoniac Gadaris, that the spirits that were in him, legion, was cast into pigs. Now the pigs killed themselves as a result of it. They went in and drowned themselves. Now, again, I, I, I cannot tell you that's a doctrine. And whether you want to go ahead and believe that demons are just, uh, you know, another term for uh, angels that have fallen, that's fine. You can go ahead and do that. Personally, I don't. I, I don't believe that. I believe that's a different set of... And I, I believe there's a lot of people that are possessed with these demonic spirits. And I think there's a difference in the possession because we know that devils can possess people. I think how they possess people and what they cause people to do is different than what demons do. You ever seen a person that you know they weren't evil but they were dumber than rocks? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. No matter what you do, I have to admit, maybe it's just something I've got to do because when I tell someone that they need to do something more than three or four times, then I figure they got a demon. You ever, I, I mean, seriously, I have said, and some of you have done the same thing. You know, it was black and white. It was easy to see. This is what you need to do. But they never do it. Now, what causes a person to be that brain dead? Go ahead. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I do. I believe in anything when you, you come. And I'm saying that that doesn't mean that this person is devil. A devil and a demon being two different words. A dispossessed spirit being a demon and a devil being a fallen angel. Now, you know, the sense of evil, if you would. Uh, those of you that are old enough remember the old movie The Exorcist. You know, demons don't cause your head to turn around and around. You know, okay, they don't do that. Uh, but I'm saying that sometimes when you see people who just absolutely cannot and and handle this, they can't handle it. And, and you know, it took Jesus to cast the demons out of the demoniac Gadaris. And you can see some of the things that he did. But there is a there, now, there's a key here. What did the demoniac do? He came to Jesus wanting to be delivered. A lot of times, true devil possession, they don't want to be delivered. Again, I'm not telling you that is gospel, okay? I'm just telling you that's theory, because that's all I can come up with as, as far as I just know that there's something, and I may be completely off on this. This reason I'm telling you that it's just me, but there, there are just some things that are left 
unsaid that I, I, I feel like that there's, there's more to it. And uh, there could be, you've heard me say before, the fifth day of creation and the sixth day of creation are almost identical. It was like God started over on the sixth day. So there could have been something that happened in that time period. Go ahead. I can go one step further than that. Uh, I was just studying for this lesson, and Michael, when Michael came down to answer Daniel's prayer, and uh, it took 21 days. It took 21 days, and Michael said to, to Daniel, he said, I would have been here earlier except the prince of Persia stopped me. Prince of Persia, and all of those cases are people say, you know, they, they, they say that this is a Satan or a devil, whatever you want to say. But the Prince of Persia is still working on us. You look at what's going on over in the Persia area. Okay, now, even back then, it's never stopped. So could it be a prince? And I'm not saying this necessarily. It could be your higher order, uh, spiritual weakness in high places, princes, powers, you know, strongholds. All this could be your your devils that are fallen, and they may use demons as an army. So, yeah? Yes, sir? Yeah. And it's very well could be. This was a punishment. If this be the case, and this is, this again, this is my theories on it. This was a punishment that God could have given this, this race of people for, for seeking after Satan. There's a lot of things, even, you know, if you go down beyond the floodline of, of uh, where the earth was destroyed, and everybody knows, even your, your archaeologists, they show a line where the, the water once covered the earth. But you go down below that, they have found evidence of, of, of culture that was beyond beyond anything that we ever thought historically possible. So, so there, is, there is something to that. Now, again, what they look like, what they were, I don't know. But one thing's for sure. Demons, whether they are fallen angels or not, they're still evil. And that's why we just have to look at it in that sense. Now, when the angels who fell chose to ally themselves with Satan, they eternally sealed their fate. You know, there's no coming back for them. None, none at all. And their minds are set against God. So there is no dealing with the devil. In fact, if you've got someone who's... I have, I have seen a couple of times... We've, had it, we've actually had it here a couple of times. I had some, a person that was devil-possessed. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen the results of, of what that can, what can happen. Or at least in the case of... I say devil-possessed. It could have been demon-possessed. But regardless, the name of Jesus still took care of it. But uh, the, the case here is that they, they came to be delivered and God delivered them. But in most cases, when it comes to, on every case, when it comes to a devil, you don't deal with the devil, you don't talk to the devil. You just cast the devil out. You just, you cast it out. You don't talk to it. If you start talking to it and listening to it, it'll lie to you. A devil cannot tell the truth. They are liars, and they're liars from the beginning. The Bible says that in John. 
Satan was a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. Truth is not in him. Impossible for him to tell the truth, just like it's impossible for God to lie. So anytime you deal with lying spirit, deal with the devil. Listen to me real carefully on that. You are, uh, if you are constantly tempted to lie, even to the uh, sense of, of hurting someone's feelings, you don't want to hurt their feelings, so you lie about it, it's still demonic. No matter what. The best thing to do, if you don't want to say anything to them, say you just don't want to hear what I have to say, and they follow you around asking, say you don't want to hear what I have to say. Let's just go on to something else. You know, but sometimes, when it comes to that, you know, what do you deal with? What do you do? You hurt someone's feeling by telling them the truth? And then they'll look at you and they'll say the truth is relative. That's truth for you, not... There is a truth. The only thing that we know for sure is all truth is right here. If it's biblical, then you know you're telling the truth. If it's your opinion, that's the reason I said the statement that on the demons while ago, it's my opinion. Not necessarily truth. Not necessarily lie. I just don't know. So anyway, truth is, you know, they are, they are, they're always going to tell a lie. Their minds are set against goodness. And their minds are set against God's kingdom. Again, their minds set against truth. And the mind is set against man's welfare. They want to destroy. The Bible says that uh, our adversary Satan, who like a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, you have to give him permission to devour you. The devil cannot bother you unless you give him permission to bother you. You resist him, he's got to flee from you. He's got to run. That's Bible. If it's not happening, you're not dealing with the devil, you're dealing with a human spirit, probably yours. All right, so demons have a real, though limited power. Uh, I don't want to give them glory, but they are. They do have a power. They can do things. In fact, they can imitate God to a degree. We see that in, uh, in Pharaoh's court. To a degree, they imitated every miracle that Moses performed. But there's a limit to what they can do. And there will always be a limit Always seek God. When you see somebody, and not everybody that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, 1 Corinthians 11 chapter also speaks of how angels can appear, or devils can appear, rather. They can appear as angels of light. And they're ministers as ministers of righteousness. Now, if they can appear that way, then that means that you have to look at them and determine whether this person is, that is preaching to you from up here at this platform is a devil or he's from God. And how do you do that? You do that through the Scripture, through the book. If the book agrees with what that man's doing, that, that, then he's doing the right thing. But I'm not talking about parts and parcels. I'm talking about the whole thing. When they start, they start, start talking about uh, Trinitarian logic, then they're not of God. You hear me? I don't care how good a preacher they may be. If they're talking Trinitarian, they're not of God. That is the worst part, and, and, and that, is, that is something that the enemy has hurt people with for a long time, and hurt good men, men that could be good preachers, could preach the truth. They have been so caught up in traditional way of thinking that they have been destroyed. All right, well, I'm running out of time. I got halfway through. That's better than I normally do. Let's stand. Oh, okay. Yes. If you can ask God to dispatch angels. 
Well, yeah, but, but you know. I wouldn't do it. I'd be scared to death. I let my wife do that. <laughs> you want me to do it for you? <laughs> no, I can do that. But you know, you you got to understand what you deal with. If if you got a human spirit that's out of control, then what will happen is, what do we know? What do we know? Work with patience, tribulation, and a lot of times that's what angels will bring to you. Because most of the time, what you deal with. What you deal with is in your human spirit is a lack of patience. That's, don't you think in, in every case that's what we deal with? If we could wait, I was talking to, to, to Brother Chuck back there talking about waiting on the Lord. You know, waiting on the Lord is more than just waiting patiently. It's waiting and serving God. If we could serve God until we could get our answer and just continue to love, serve God, do what we can, then that's what patience is about. Most of the time when we do something wrong, it's because we run out of patience. Okay, and when we run out of patience, so what will an angel do? Nine times out of ten, he'll bring tribulation your way. And you're saying right now, but I've got all kinds of tribulations, different kind of tribulation if you bring it on yourself. Uh, okay, let me, let, me bring it, let me bring it out this way. When we, when we lose our temper and we say things that we regret, it's because we lack patience in the situation. Now, I, I, when I say that, I can look at myself and definitely point at me as well. But I have learned, I have really learned, and really I've learned it more in the last three years than I ever have any other time. Last three years, I have taken whatever this lesson that God, and I feel like angels brought a lot of this. I felt, I felt the presence of angels. And, and I've gone through some really difficult times. But I know that in prayer, that when I pray, that even my prayers changed. I really understand that I will be done more than I've ever understood thy will be done. I know so many times I've pressed through with asking God, this is what God I need from you. This is what I want. Now I don't do that unless I'm absolutely sure that's what God wants. Now I pray, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And if you can pray that, and he brought that out earlier, that it took hard times to get him to where he needed to be. And I really believe that when you deal with your, it's more, we deal more with us than we do with devils. When you get you under control, then the devils will come. Because they don't have to do anything as long as you're out of control. I mean, they don't. As long as you're out of control, the devil won't come. But when, when you get you in, under control, then the devils will start coming. But they're easy to deal with. I've always figured that if I'm dealing with the devil, I'm doing something right. Now, I really do. I, I really believe that. Because if I'm dealing with the devil, then there's something good I'm doing. I've got me under control. Go ahead. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. There's going to be endurance no matter what. You're right. Uh, and, and praying for that. But if you do, you ask God. If you ask God, God... Send an angel to help me deal with this, this human spirit. There will be areas that you will learn. I, I, and this is another thing. When you deal with that, I believe that they, they show you. There will be things that open up to you. But there is that sensitivity again. I think angels open doors for us because they're ministering for, for us. If they do things for us, and they're opening doors for us. But we have got to be sensitive enough to walk through in order to get there. And if we're so caught up in the cares of life, you know, the thorns and the thistles and the, and the stones and all that's in our life. We're so caught up in that. I think sometimes we can worry so much about cutting. Oh, another point. Maybe you don't do this. I do. 
Well, this, they're all adults here. I had a stent, okay, well, I, last week. Everybody knows what stents are. Well, I knew I had to have the stent removed. Well, for four days prior to get the stent removed, I, I, I was sweated. I worried. I just absolutely. And when I had it done, it didn't take more than two seconds. And it was all over with. And that is exactly what we do. You know, we worry so much about taking care of the of the business, we never take care of the business. And and I think sometimes that's what angels, when they come to minister for us, they open they open the door. Okay, there it is. I've got it for you. I've opened this door before. Now you're sensing enough to see. Are you going to go through it, or are you going to stay back here? You know, I realize that all of us are different, and minister and somehow uh, how God ministers to us and. Uh, using angels, whatever he may do. It may be different for you than it does for me, but sometimes it's more the worry lines. I look at you right now, and you've got them right up above your eyes. You know, it's just the worry lines, worrying about it. Uh, oftentimes it's just going through and say, God, I've done everything I can do. I've done everything I can do. I'm going to walk through this, and I'm going to believe you to take care of it. And I believe with all my heart. I think angels probably, the, the one thing I didn't get covered was the things that angels prevent that we never see. The things that they prevent, areas and accidents that that uh, they prevent. You know, I, I told you, I told you all not too long ago about about my wife. Uh, she nearly had that truck tire. It should have hit her. Everything should it should have killed her. But it, it turned at the last minute when it was rolling straight down the road. Now, what did that? It had to be an angel of the Lord that stood right there. So, how many things does he? And sometimes it's just thanking God for what He's done, and it, it, just expecting Him to continue. Any other questions? Go ahead. excellent because that's just about where you said that and that come to me if when you do pray in tongues you don't know that god is not using that to call angels down you don't know yeah yeah because it's the spirit of god praying through you because you know when you get and you know in romans i think it's uh, i think romans eight i mean i think it's eight chapter where it talks about groanings that cannot be uttered you know, those are things when you get to that point, you're no longer doing it on your own. That's when God begins to work through you. And I tell you what, it's so, it's so wonderful when you get to that point. It is so, it is so great when you, you begin to grow. You know, it's, it's like, I hate to say it this way. I, I guess it's the best way of saying it. It's almost, it's just going down so low, so low that, there, that God is the only way or the only one that can bring you back up. And when God begins to bring you back up, then you're brought up in the way that he wants you to be. But it's not at one time doing. Throughout your life, you'll continue to do that. We'll continue to be. We're still human, carnal people. And we'll go and start doing things our way. And then we'll get back to that same position again until we pray through. The only way to maintain it is to maintain a constant prayer life in that manner. All right. Lord bless. Anybody else? Good. Turn to shake somebody's hand, tell them, God bless you in Jesus' name. Have a great day.